0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match
1: limited by state law. Welcome, everyone, to episode 209 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic, and because there are only so many ways to really say how badly the Lakers suck, we have decided to do our first ever mailbag episode. So today we will touch on the Lakers, LeBron passing MJ as the fourth leading scorer of NBA history. We'll have some questions about Andrew Bogut and Isaiah Thomas, and we're going to end on a really fun one about lottery teams and how bright their future is before we get into all of that a reminder that you can follow us on twitter at the nba pod in our bio you can find our twitter handles to give us a follow as well you can also subscribe download leave some five-star reviews on itunes and we're now being hosted on spreaker so check them out on twitter at spreaker joining me today as always is my very stable genius of a co-host morton
2: jensen how's it going Mort? It's going well, Brian. I am actually on the mend for the first time in a couple of weeks. Nice. So, that's nice. Yeah. I, you really don't appreciate being just healthy sometimes.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Until until it's taken away from you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Especially for a, a two-week period.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I, I'm still mad about the Sixers-Bulls game last night, which we will briefly touch on thanks to one of our intrepid followers later, but let's start... More with LeBron James and the Lakers because on Wednesday night, LeBron passed Michael Jordan to become the fourth leading scorer of all time. It was for such a historic accomplishment. I know Bill Plashkey of the Los Angeles Times noted this among others, but it was like a very muted celebration. Like, oh, yeah, like LeBron's there crying on the bench as you know, because it's a, a massive, massive deal. But like Lakers fans basically like golf clap for him the whole time. Like mm-hmm. it, it felt very strange, the whole the whole thing. But I, I wanted to start this. And this is really my own question. Rather, we'll get into some listener questions shortly. But one is how do you think this Lakers season affects LeBron's goat case, if at all?
2: Well, I mean, I don't know if it affects it. If it does, it certainly doesn't affect it in a positive sense because this has just been a tire fire of a season. To be fair to LeBron, and I think we really should, you know, make this like an asterisk throughout the entire course of the season. He mm-hmm. was injured for seventeen games or right. more. I, I don't even. I I think he's missed a few games here and there as well, right?
1: Yeah, and I still don't think he's hundred percent healthy.
2: Right, he's not moving uh, in a way that suggests that he is, at least. (laughs) Right, (laughs) Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, looking at it through him being injured and the roster that was gathered around him, which was just not a way to optimize his playing style, Mm -hmm. that's that's not great things to, to help him succeed. And because of that, you can't really put the blame on him fully. Right. Although... There is that element as well of he absolutely signed off on all these guys. Right. Yes. Which, you know, does carry some weight. And you know, just to to bag it up a little bit and take a more holistic view of the, the goat debate, really. It is so subjective. I, mm. I've really come around on the idea that, that the goat debate is really about, well, not about it. You should look at it in the same way that you, like, judge movies. Like, movies mm. are supremely subjective, you know two people who are very much alike can you know dislike this the same movie to to, uh, or yeah one could like the movie one can dislike the movie and and you know have a completely different movie taste while being in full agreement about music politics whatever it's just such a subjective art form and i think the goat debate is such a difficult way to like streamline it right because you are have to go through eras you have to go through players who play different positions And you you sort of have to mash this all together and get a coherent response, which is just illogical to expect, in my opinion.
1: Right. Yeah. I I like the idea... Well, there's two, like, GOAT ideas that I actually like, instead of declaring definitively that this player is the best player who has ever played basketball, hands down, bar none. I like the idea, A, of separating it by generation. So you go yes. like Wilt was the go-to his generation, then Bill Russell, then Kareem, then Magic oh! and Bird, then MJ. Wilt
2: over Bill?
1: No, no, Wilt before Bill. Oh, okay, yeah, but um,
2: they were in the same era, weren't they?
1: I feel like Wilt was a well, yeah, I guess so. Bill, Ru- I mean, yes, Bill Russell, like clearly just based on rings alone, but like you can't you can't measure Bill Russell's rings against like LeBron's rings now because there was just so much less competition and less good competition in the NBA back in the sixties than there is in the late 2010s. Right. So that's, that's one challenge. As you said, you, you really do have to measure it against different eras, different playing styles. So it doesn't make total sense. I also like the idea of like the greatest of all time, there being a greatest of all time and a best of all time, such that <laughs> right. greatest implies like the combination of accolades plus stats plus talent plus whatever whereas best of all time is like literally if you had to pick a basketball player in his prime among anyone in nba history who would you pick and i think that kind of creates the room for well you could say lebron is the best player of all time just based Mm -hmm. on his physical dominance plus everything else he has going for him his iq his passing whatever uh and then mj can be the greatest of all time but I, I do want to, this leads me into, you know, I was thinking about, like, okay, we we all, we all basically assume that at the very worst, LeBron will retire as the second best player of all time, if not the best. Because, you know, he's he's already fourth on the scoring list. He's going to pass Kobe as early as, like, early
2: next season. Oh, uh, don't tell that to Lakers fans.
1: <laughs> I know, I'm so excited. I really hope it happens in L.A. Because if we thought yesterday's reaction was bad... Can you imagine Lakers fans if LeBron in their arena passes Kobe? It will be spectacular. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, he's like he has a very realistic chance of becoming the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. He, he's going Correct. to be atop a number of like career statistical leaderboards. So we assume he's going to be the second best. But if he retired right now, do mm-hmm. you still think he's the second best player in NBA history?
2: Uh, yeah, so I I think he is. I think we are still sleeping a little bit on Tim Duncan. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think Tim Duncan should be more involved in the GOAT debate than he is. I, I think part of it is because a lot of people consider him boring, mm-hmm. or he didn't play in a big market. He wasn't a guy who really drew a lot of headlines. Mm-hmm. So I think he kind of gets overshadowed. But... You know, you have to take statistics into account. And already, like, if LeBron, you know, knocks on wood here, that doesn't happen. But if LeBron went down with a career-ending injury right now, he, in my opinion, would still be the greatest statistical player of all time. Like, statistics goat, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Um, Whether he would have enough on his his resume to warrant number two all time, there's definitely a case to be made. I mean... 32,000-plus points of, uh, yeah, I already went into the stats, but, like, you know, three rings, um, just a competitor all-around, eight straight finals, obviously, like, all-star for what? Like I'm putting up, basically, 15-time all-star, you know, 14-time All-NBA, three-time MVP, no, four-time MVP, three-time all-star MVP. Yeah, I mean, you can't. Like legitimately sit there and go, well, no, undoubtedly no. It's it's <laughs> right. certainly a debate, right. uh, and a, a couple more years to this, where he's averaging his very usual twenty-seven, eight and eight, mm-hmm. then yeah, he p- should pretty much log it up. I, I I you know, it's such a difficult conversation because it it comes down to also what you expect out of a basketball player and what you value individually, right? Because LeBron is. I know he just passed Mike on the scoring list, but he is more of a playmaker right. and play initiator. Right. And I think that I think there's a wrong perspective in play when it comes to LeBron and Mike. It feels like everyone is trying to pin those two up against each other. Whereas, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't look at LeBron as a Mike copy. I look at him as a hybrid between Grant Hill, Scottie Pippen, Magic Johnson, and Carmelo. Mm. I mean, he's more in that vein. So how do you compare that type of player, which is like, unusual, obviously, because when you can compare Magic Johnson, when you can go buy Magic Johnson and Carmelo, I mean, you've got something very special, right? But, <laughs> right. But Mike was just, he was different. Like, he was his own cat. Like, Kobe tried emulating Mike. Kobe right. Kobe was the Mike copy. And you know what? There is not a single person out there with respect for himself who would choose Kobe over LeBron, or, or over Mike, obviously. Except so Lakers fans. No, that, no I, I think a lot of Lakers fans are... And I also said respect for themselves. You know, yeah. most Lakers <laughs> fans with respect for themselves, no. I mean, you have the Kobe stance, but they should just be disregarded in this case. Right. It's There's just so many levels to this debate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I, I don't know where I stand on it, truthfully, but where do you come in? Like, second all time?
1: Yeah, I think... So. I mean, hmm? I, I was toying between second and third. I was thinking Kareem would still be second, but... Then I really go to think about it and like he LeBron in all likelihood is going to be on the an all NBA team this year. He's we talked about it a few weeks ago, he's not gonna be on the first team for the first time in eleven seasons, which is already a remarkable accomplishment. He's been a first team all NBA forward for more than a decade. But I saw earlier today that if he hits fifteen that he ties the most of all time. You know, he so he would tie even if he retired today, he would tie the most All NBA selections of all time, he's the only player in NBA history to be top ten in points and assists. The three rings, beating Golden State. You know, I I definitely don't think he is number one right now, and I do think that going back to the question about how this affects his legacy, I think he said it well. Like everything from this point on is like icing on the cake on his career. Nothing is going to make him fall, but. He had, I think, he legit had a real chance to close the gap, if not surpass MJ. And I think going to the Lakers is not going to help him in that regard, just based on how this season is going, based on the early rumblings from free agency that they're like not going to get. Most likely, they are not going to get a Kevin Durant or a Kawhi Leonard or a Clay Thompson or even a Kyrie Irving. So there's mm-hmm. not necessarily a reason short of them somehow getting Anthony Davis plus another superstar free agent, which just doesn't seem to be in the cards this summer. There's no real reason to expect them to be a legit title contender, if not title favorite, next year. And then by that point, you know, LeBron will be 35 going on 36. It's harder to imagine him. I don't think he necessarily needed six rings to surpass Jordan, I think the statistical achievements he's going to have, and just the longevity is going to be in his favor just since he didn't retire three times. Um, Yeah. But I think, you know, he he really, like this could be one of his final seasons of his prime. And it's absurd to say he's still in his prime at 34, but such such as LeBron. But, you know, he did kind of throw this season away, which didn't help him in this particular debate. But, yeah, I think... At this point, he's the best basketball player I've ever seen or I've, like, gotten, you know, really gotten to, like, you know, when I was young when I watched him. Right, in and, your
2: prime. Yeah, like, I
1: didn't appreciate what I was seeing at the time. I appreciate what I'm seeing with LeBron. I'll, I will continue to make jokes about how dumb it was to join the Lakers if you were, you know, prioritizing basketball fit, which he clearly wasn't. So I mm-hmm. hope Space Jam yeah. 2, you know, it's going to be really good. Um, <laughs> but, but like, it, you still have to appreciate greatness when you see it. And LeBron James is just, he's absurd. Like, kudos to him for, it's an incredible accomplishment what he's been able to do. I mean, for him to be, to live up to the hype that he entered the league with yeah. is remarkable.
2: In, indeed. I, I mean, look. <clears throat> I was old enough to <clears throat> have the, you know, the first slam covers and all that with LeBron. Like the I was one of those guys who were in my, you know, early teens getting exposed to LeBron as a high school phenomenon.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: I can't tell you how many times I was up late on a dial-up connection looking over like high school stats mm-hmm. for LeBron. Like and that the expectation level was insane. And I remember reading so many articles before he he hit the league. And most of them were kind of like us in regards to Trey Young. Like, hang on a second. This kid is going to be good. But, you know, patience. Patience is a virtue. Give him a shot. Like, look at Kobe. He averaged 7.6 points a game in his rookie season. Don't expect LeBron to come in and do all these things right off the bat. And then he did immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's... Absolutely. And and here's the thing. <clears throat> if he ends up being the number two guy of all time, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Why is that a bad thing? How is <laughs> right. that? Because, I mean, we've seen so many guys on, on Twitter and Facebook and whatnot, like going on on about how it's disrespectful. How is it disrespectful? I mean, how many players have there been in the NBA? Since its uh, inception, like what twelve thousand players? I think yeah. Jackson Frank put up that number oh, really? at yeah, some point. I don't, yeah. I don't
1: know the exact number, but yes, thousands, yeah, upon thousands,
2: thousands upon thousands. Like being the second best of all time, if that's where he ends up, right? That's that's not bad. I mean, sorry, but like, what? How how can that be? You know, <laughs> disrespectful.
1: Right. It's literally better than everyone else aside from one person. That's a pretty right. good thing to hang your hat on.
2: So, right before we wrap up the LeBron thing, I just have one question for you. Mm -hmm. How much do you think the 2011 finals Mm -hmm. has hurt his GOAT stock? That's the big one for me, personally.
1: Yeah. But, I I mean, I just think it's... That goes with, like, everyone's life experiences. Like, you have to fail sometimes to get pushed to succeed. So, I... Yes that was not a great look and yes his 3 and 5 record in the finals compared to Jordan's 6 and 0 record in the finals will be used against him always and forever but if he didn't you know if, if the Mavs did not sag off of him to such a, a degree and if like little scrappy JJ Berea didn't you know wasn't such a right. pest to him maybe he doesn't round out the parts of his game that enable him to win the next two titles that, are, that enable him to beat the Warriors in 2016. So yeah, it's that was you know one of the low points of his career in terms of, especially in terms of public perception because it's the first year yeah. after the decision, everyone's still mad at him and then everyone relishes in... You know, him him losing and he gives the quote about like you all have to go home and be sad and I'm still LeBron James or whatever he said.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go back to my life. Yeah, yeah, that was that was not great.
1: Right. But I mean I think it's just like he needed to go through that to then evolve into what he became. So I'm not gonna hold that against him all that much. But yeah, I mean if in in a GOAT debate you are very clearly, you know, Nitpicking to the umpteenth degree, and that definitely is a flaw (laughs) on his resume compared to MJ's.
2: The thing is, I don't really compare the 2011 finals necessarily to Mike. I'm I'm looking at it from the perspective of how many, you know, great, truly great players have crumpled to this extent in the finals. I don't Mm. like off the top of my head. I don't remember anyone just having that type of meltdown, and that's what.
1: In the 20, when they played, when OKC got there.
2: Yeah, he was a bench player at that point, right? He's still a six man.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, I get it, but I mean, LeBron had been in the finals before. Like, I I think I would have given him more leeway if that had been his first taste of the finals. Mm -hmm. But he'd been in the finals four years prior against San Antonio. Yeah. Like, something just happened. Something just mentally snapped, which, like, from a human perspective, like you just said, totally understandable. Right. Like that's that's completely fair and I'm not trying to to look at him and go, well, <laughs> you know, it sucks for you to be an ordinary person. Like it's perfectly fine. But in the goat context, you just need to take it into account.
0: Yeah, for sure. clearance clearance.
1: Well, we've spent enough time saying nice things about LeBron, so let's move into our first mailbag question, because we actually, you and I got into a fight about this over DMs before we even (laughs) got this question, which is perfect, Uh, but this one comes, and I'm sorry if I botched the pronunciation of your name, but I believe it's Nikolche Kolev. Uh, He asked, if the Lakers don't get Anthony Davis, KD, Kyrie, or Clay this summer... Would or should they consider trading LeBron? So let's start with should they.
2: Okay. Are, are we ignoring the whole clutch board's angle on this one?
1: No. You have to... Agree- okay. Yeah, you, have you have to... Have, okay, You have to take that into account. You have, we All have right. to take everything into account.
2: We have to think, and Okay. Um, for the right package, yes, they should. Honestly, like if someone offers Scion for LeBron, yes, they should. Absolutely, they should. Because that would be the one you know, superstar young core that could actually make their current young core a little bit better, just to round it out. They would have a legitimate team in two or three years. And besides, like you alluded to, just 10 minutes ago, he's 34. And he's going to be 35 pretty soon, or, well, pretty soon. But, yeah, it's, it's just not in the cards for him from an age perspective to fit with the young core. So if mm-hmm. they strike out on all these guys, like, what are you doing? Then you need to find something else. And if Zion is on the table, yes, you should trade him, regardless of the clutch sports angle, which means... And, and I'll let you explain that, actually, because mm-hmm. that was your point.
1: Yeah, well, I, I just think either would or should. Should they? I mean, yes. If you're treating this like NBA 2K and you're looking at it, at it just from an on-court perspective, an age perspective, a salary perspective, you're right, he doesn't align with the rest of their core. Uh, and if you're not going to trade some of those guys, if you don't get Anthony Davis, say they try to like trade for Bradley Beal or Blake Griffin or Andre Drummond or whoever next year, if you're not going to do that, then it makes no sense really. I mean, LeBron can like teach these guys good habits in theory, but him loafing around on defense is not doing that. So yes, in theory, they should trade him or at least pursue, you know, take offers and silently shop him. But Lord, like God help them when that first (laughs) when that first leak happens, because he's going to rain holy hellfire on that franchise after that. But you also have to figure, clutch sports angle. Anthony Davis is also a clutch sports client. Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is a clutch sports client. They are angling to get Davis, if not this summer, as a free agent in 2020. You do not have to read too hard into the tea leaves to figure that Ben Simmons will eventually be a target of theirs as well. So, unfortunately, Clutch Clutch Sports basically runs the Lakers right now. They just have to bow to the whims of Clutch Sports. And you, you can't, you know, if LeBron decided to join the Lakers for off-court reasons he just wanted to be in LA he wanted his family to move in be in LA for a long time you know he signed a three plus one deal it's not one of these one plus ones right. where he's he's like putting pressure on the team he he committed to the Lakers this is goes into the wood they I, I think they know the perception of trading LeBron after one season would just be so bad, like the the optics oh, yeah. of it would be so bad that they can't possibly consider it. Even though like I I mean I agree, like, if you're just looking at it rationally, then there is an argument for it. But if you take the, the off court factors, the clutch factors into account, there's no way.
2: Should a player have that much power because of an agency that he's in connection to?
1: <laughs> that he maybe Possibly co-owns. Who knows? Yeah, is it cahoots with? Uh, yep. Uh, Allegedly. If you're the <laughs> second best player of all time, I, not every player should have that power. But if you, you know, if you're riding a streak of eight straight trips to the finals, and mm. prior to this season you proved that just adding you to a roster can make something can make an instant finals contender, then yeah, I think you kind of have to bow to the whips of it. Like you know what you're signing up with. When you get oh yeah, LeBron that,
2: James, that's the thing. That is the thing for me. Like knowing what you sign up for, because yeah. I, I, and th- this is what kind of bothers me. Because you have to make a decision as an organization if you're wanting to get in on the LeBron James train. That mm-hmm. is, do you, do I sign over, <laughs> like every <laughs> decision to LeBron? Do I sign over basically my entire, you know, responsibility level? over to this guy and whatever he decides to do on a whim. Mm-hmm. I, I find that problematic. And I actually think that should be a part of the GOAT debate. Mm.
1: That, that's fair. <laughs> like, LeBron as GM is not a shining part of his resume.
2: I don't think so. I mean, yeah. if you identify the current players that he, he did, you know, Rashawn, Rondo, Lane Stevenson, and those guys, mm-hmm. you know, yes, perfectly fine players in the right role. Right. But having an abundance of non-shooters, like LeBron just spent, you know, how many years playing off of shooters and he <laughs> re- he reached the finals eight times as a result of it. Right. And then his determination is, let me go out and sign off on all these guys who can't shoot. Right. Then you just have to question, you know, from a G- how great of a GM he is. And I I get that David Griffin came out and said, you know, LeBron didn't run the team and all, and all that. Yeah. I, I get it. I think there's some level of truth to that. I think, obviously, you know, he's not in the boardroom taking calls. Sure. But I do think you need to run a lot of decisions by him.
1: J.R. Smith does not get a four year, 52 or 57 or however many millions of dollars right. he earned. He does not get that contract if he is not a clutch sports client aligned with LeBron James. Exactly. And Tristan Thompson, I think he got like five years, eighty-five million, something like that.
2: Something like that. It was ridiculously yeah. overpaid. Yeah.
1: Sa- and the same deal. You just he doesn't get that deal if he's not a clutch sports client. And he's not on the team with LeBron James. Like you, you have to make certain moves to make LeBron happy. Much as the Lakers learned this year with this Anthony Davis stuff, like he, it was very clear. LeBron went out in public in December. And said, yeah, it would be great if Anthony Davis came to the Lakers. I love it. Which was about the least subtle tampering you'll see this side of Bryce Harper.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So about the tampering, how has he never been fined?
1: Because I I think the NBA has just taken a completely hands-off stance with players. Executives are one thing. I, I just think they know there's no way you can police the players. You could barely Hmm. police the executives unless they're dumb enough like magic to just come out and say, oh, yeah, I'd love to have – yeah, wink, wink, Paul George.
2: I love that magic now in interviews are just looking at people and going, yay, I'm not answering that. You're going (laughs) to get me into trouble. At least he's learning. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's a positive development. Uh, Okay, so let's move on from L.A. talk for a bit. We'll go upstate in California – And... This is this one's from Andy Bailey.
0: Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to sixty percent off all back to school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for two bucks, graphic tees for four bucks, shorts for six dollars, and jeans for eight dollars. Right now, get the best kids styles at kid-size prices. Just two, four, six, and eight dollars. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to sixty percent off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Valid seven twenty nine to eight. 11 select styles excludes in-store clearance clearance
1: he is a co-host of the hardwood knox podcast he writes for slc dunk and bleacher report as well uh he's he more asked,
2: famous than us let's just put yeah, it that way correct he actually
1: he actually wrote speaking of he wrote a great piece for br today about or i guess it went up last night but uh on lebron statistically having a better goat case than mj so everyone everyone go check out that piece from andy uh, especially MJ Stans, if you want to get mad and yell at him and his mentions. So Andy asked... <laughs> Thank Andrew you for Bo- the
2: question, Andy. We just directed a ton of Stans towards you. Yeah, right.
1: well, right. Oh, As if he wasn't already dealing with that all day. Come on. <laughs> he knows what he did. Um, Andy asked, will Andrew Bogut effectively replace DeMarcus Cousins by the finals? And so to preface this, I should just say that Josh, when he was on a week or two ago... He and I spoke briefly about cousins, but this was before the Bogut signing happened. So let's talk about the biggest PizzaGate fan in Australia, Andrew Bogut.
2: All right. Well, let's hope not. Let's hope <laughs> not that Andrew, you know, that Bogut has to replace Boogie. And when I say that, I don't mean in the sense of, you know, uh, Andrew Bogut being the better player or whatever. I'm saying it because I think. Boogie is still coming off a major injury and is right. improving and needs to regain his touch in the NBA. And I hope for his sake that he returns to being at least similar, a similar type of player that he used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't behoove or it wouldn't benefit, I should say, Golden State to have Andrew Bogut starting over Boogie. Right. Simply because Boogie is by far the better player. Right now, he's just... Oh, Everything looks bad right now. His defense, in particular, don't. Sorry, Boogie. I mean, I know that you'll probably you know kick my ass if I hear you talk. If you hear me right. talk bad about your defense, like he, he was not satisfied when when the media uh, pointed out to him that he had struggled defensively. He did not agree with that assessment. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I think it's fair to to say that he has and he's been a significant problem because he's been slow and, and for understandable reasons. I mean right. coming off an Achilles tear. I mean for crying out loud. Right. Um but, you know, th- there are what, twenty something games, maybe even a little bit less, maybe, left of the mm-hmm. regular season. So so my hope is that during this final stretch, Bookie gets a little bit more rhythm under him, a little bit more um experience with this group and understands the defensive schemes a little bit better to the point where he can actually arrange himself to position himself better while acknowledging that he's not, you know, an athletic marble.
1: Right, yeah, I mean, it's not like lateral quickness was ever a strength of his defensively. He was just, I mean, that's just been the case even before the injury. So, of course, afterward, he's going to look even more slow-footed. And, you know, he got off to a pretty good start those first couple games, but has since kind of come crashing back down to earth. Um, You know, we saw it, With the Sixers game on Saturday and then the Celtics on Tuesday in particular, teams really are hunting him down every time down the floor. Like they, They are trying to get mismatches on him. They are trying to get stretch bigs on him, and they know he can't. If he goes to close out, it opens a wide open lane to the rim, and he often doesn't close her out, and it just leads to a wide open three. So either way, that's going to be the plan of attack until Boogie can show he can guard it better. Now, as you said, I mean, he's working his way back from a major injury. We have to give him time. Maybe he does. Maybe it is just a matter of timing, and maybe he just needs to get more comfortable with his teammates. I think we often underrate how long it takes to develop chemistry, especially defensively, and knowing when to switch, when not to switch, what what your strategy is. You're not going to close out on every big. Like, if they're a terrible shooter, you're not going to give them the respect you would for, like, a Laurie Markkinen. So him figuring all that stuff out, I think being in a seven-game series against the same opponent will help. They can really drill down a tailored strategy to one opponent rather than we're changing up this on this night, this on this night, whatever. Um, I also saw someone on Twitter who has watched Bogut in the Australian League says he's just been terrible this year. Like, we don't know what Andrew Bogut looks like right now we we can't assume he's the same player he was a few years ago when he was useful for the Warriors but I kind of think ultimately this was a trick question from Andy because I think when it comes down to it neither Boogie nor uh Bogut are going to be on the floor and they're just going to go back to the death lineup
2: Yep, I I think that is certainly the expectation right Draymond at center you know Duran at the four Iggy at the three Clay and Steph and just going balls out Mm mm-hmm Right. And, and, you know, I've been wondering about the lack of opportunity for Jordan Bell. I actually thought he could come in and become sort of a Draymond esque type of player defensively because he had the, you know, the, the lateral movement, the athleticism, you know, was very keen on rotating and shot blocking and all that. He hasn't really broken through, which I think just necessitates the, the, the need of, of, as you said, putting in the death lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boogie, in an optimal world, which survive by being, you know, (laughs) abused defensively, but then produce so much on the other end that he would be a net positive. And I think there still is that chance because when you look at his numbers offensively, yeah, he's he's not efficient yet. It's not quite there. He's not inefficient, but he's not, you know, superbly efficient either. He's shooting 45% from the field, but he is, you know, getting to the line a ton in just 25 minutes of play. He's averaging almost 5.5 free throws, and he's hitting it at a 76% clip. His three ball, is he's struggling on that end, like 24.5% right now, but that is bound to, to rebound a little bit. He's, he does so many things well offensively. Like he passes so great, like three and, th- almost 3.5 assists in 25 minutes, mm-hmm. scoring 15.5 points again in limited minutes. His, his production, his statistical production is still out of this world. So you know that the talent level is there. It's just a matter of can you basically pull a Harden and produce so much offensively that yeah. what you give up defensively is not going to significantly impact you.
1: Yeah, and and the good thing is from his perspective is I think he's ultimately just going to come down to being a matchup-dependent player and he's going to have a much better time against conventional bigs than he does against stretch bigs. But mm-hmm. if you look at the Western Conference, you know... Against Houston, he's going against Clint Capella. Against OKC, he's going against Steven Adams. Portland, he's going against Yusuf Nurkic. Utah, he's going against uh, Rudy Gobert. The Clippers, he's going against Zubac. Like, there are a lot of matchups there. Really, the only ones that present, like, obvious challenges, him against LaMarcus Aldridge. I think Aldridge would have a hell of a time defending him on offense, but Aldridge will also beat him alive defensively. So I think, in that right. scenario, he's a net minus. But... there are a lot of conventional bigs in the West. I I think it's in the East, in the finals, is where you really get into some tricky territory. Because, you know, against a Marcus or a Serge Ibaka, if Toronto makes it, against a Brook Lopez, again, against an Ibaka or a Brook Lopez, he's going to have the physical advantage offensively. But you do have to wonder whether, like, those stretch five, you know, the five-out lineups just he has no chance against. So... It's gonna be interesting, but I, I do think I think Boogie will stay the starter. I think Kerr will have a quicker trigger with him in the playoffs than he does right now. I, I, I yes. mean I, I just think they don't care about seeding. Like they're gonna be a top two seed either way. I don't think they fear anyone in the West all that much. I mean, would they probably like to avoid Houston until the conference finals? Yeah. But I, I don't think they care. Like if Denver gets no. the one seed, I don't think they care that much. I think they know Boogie a, a fully back or fully comfortable boogie raises their ceiling more than getting the one seed and having him feeling iffy going into the playoffs.
2: Going back to your Lamarcus point, mm-hmm. do you throw Kevin Durant on him full time?
1: who does? So you act? Who huh? does Who does boogie guard then?
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously, like someone like <laughs> yeah, Bertance who can stretch the court, which is not optimal. Dante Cunningham potentially. But like they don't have a lot of big, so they would have to right. play small. Right. But they don't really have a lot of shooter shooters either when you look at it. Like they're yeah. last in the league in three point field goal attempts.
1: That's fair. Yeah. it's more just like I, I don't I mean, their starting lineup I mean they have had Jakob Pertle in and out of the starting lineup, but like their starting lineup Wednesday against the Hawks. Was Aldridge, DeRozan, Bryn Forbes, Rudy Gay, Derek White. I have no idea right. what de- I mean. DeMarcus would have a clear physical advantage if you offensively, but I have mm-hmm. no idea what you do with him defensively against that lineup.
2: No, that's true. Uh, they are going really, really small. I just yeah. question whether they have the offensive volume to really go out and stick it to LaMarcus. Right. Or sorry, st- de- de- DeMarcus. De- DeMarcus, yeah, yeah. DeMarcus.
0: CLEARANCE. For clearance uh
1: okay let's move on from one potential problem spot on a western conference contender to another potential problem spot on a western conference contender isaiah thomas he made his return a couple weeks ago much like boogie they are trying to work him back with mixed results so far so this mm-hmm. question comes from one of my colleagues at bleacher report Mosong miles uh, he asked if Isaiah Thomas can help Denver make, make it to the Western conference finals and how realistic of a shot do they have to get there?
2: Well, he can help them if we are not looking at the current season stats. And if we assume, (laughs) if we apply the same logic that we did to DeMarcus in terms of, you know, getting, getting his feet under him and getting some time to get acclimated to the roster, that's definitely going to help him. I mean, we can't mm-hmm. deny the talent level of Isaiah Thomas. The thing is, he's getting older. He just come out. He's just coming off major injury. He is only five foot nine, so defensively he's a train wreck. As always, that even fully healthy and in his prime, he was also a train wreck defensively. Mm-hmm. So I I question the role. Like he can help them, but it has to be under the the right circumstances. Like he will have to come in and play. You know, a few minutes here and there where he has to be extremely efficient offensively, being able to stretch the floor, come in, knock down a couple buckets, especially in a playoff setting where sometimes the game slows down and you just need someone to come in and hit a few shots like in a row to get the team back into the rhythm. Like, yes, he can help in that regard. But I think Denver should be really, really looking for you know getting Monte Morris on the floor as much as they possibly can. And they should have a very short leash with Thomas. Like, yeah, fine, give him a shot to go out there and see what he does. If he comes out and he knocks down like two or three jumpers and he's looking good and he moves well offensively and you can sense that, okay, he's going to be a difference maker offensively tonight. Sure, extend his minutes a little bit. But as soon as he shows any sign of not being an efficient uh, addition to the team... Then you yank him and just extend minutes to to Monte and Jamal Murray and Gary Harris.
1: Yeah, I feel like everything we just said about DeMarcus Cousins probably applies to right. Isaiah Thomas as well. Uh, to your point, I mean, so Mike Malone came out on Monday and said, you know, he he basically just stood and took a bullet for Isaiah and said you know he's played six games since he missed 11 months will he be the player that he was two years ago when he was mvp candidate no he won't i don't expect him to be but i think he can be a positive impact on our team he he said i don't want anybody on our team ever becoming a scapegoat for our collective problems it's never one guy and that's a narrative that i want to make sure is not out there all of that i think is true and again much like boogie I think Denver is so far ahead of everyone else in the West. They have a 4 game lead over Houston, OKC, and Portland right now. Mm-hmm. I I mean ideally I think they would like home court over the Warriors in the final or Western Conference Finals just because you you want any advantage you can get and particularly Denver with the altitude, they're 27 and 6 at home, only 16 15 on the road. So, you know, I I think it, it would behoove them more than the Warriors to really make a push for that one seed, but I do think these last, you know, 18 or so games are also, all right, we just got our starting five back. Now we have Isaiah Thomas back. Let's get these guys comfortable with one another. Let's get, as you, as you said, let's get Isaiah Thomas's feet back under him. But much like Steve Kerr and Boogie in the playoffs, I do think Mike Malone needs to have an exceedingly short leash with Isaiah Thomas because... You know, we talked about this guy plenty earlier this year. Monte Morris has been one of the best backup point guards in the league. Like, yeah. when they signed Isaiah Thomas, they couldn't have known how good Monte Morris was going to be. But now that you've seen Monte Morris unleashed, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Like, it, it would be <laughs> reckless. Nor nor would you want to. Right. I, I mean, it would just be negligence to, like, to put Isaiah Thomas in permanently over Monte Morris just because he's a veteran and he's been there before like if Monte Morris is the better player right now you got to go with the guys who are gonna help you win the most games like right. could Isaiah Thomas get hot one game score 20 points off the bench and swing a playoff game or even a playoff series sure but mm. who do I trust to be the more steady presence right now it's Monte
2: yeah oh undoubtedly undoubtedly and the second part of that question was really in in terms of how we view Denver
1: yeah yeah, right. I, I like this one because, look, we, we I mean, we were high on Denver coming into the year. We've stayed high on Denver the whole time, but I, we haven't, I mean, for the number two team in the West right now, we really haven't spent that much time going in on their playoff prospects other than they're very good.
2: Yeah. So they've missed a lot of time, a lot of these guys. I mean, Jamal yeah. Murray's missed time. Gary Harris missed a lot of time. Yep. Will Parton's missed even more time, <laughs> right? Uh, even Millsap missed time. It's, so a lot of these guys have suffered injuries. Like we even, you know, we just talked about Isaiah Thomas. Like this would be a different Isaiah Thomas had been had he been healthy all year long, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so I think there is, you know, some some cohesiveness that's not yet there, and it's fair to question at this point of the season if they have enough time to. Develop the necessary chemistry to to make a really strong push in the playoffs of, of getting to the finals, mm-hmm. or at least like the Western Conference Finals. So if if you doubt them, I get it, but I will say this: the talent level is absolutely there. Yeah. You have a a team that functions so well together offensively, at least I know that they've struggled a little bit as of late, but you know you have an MVP candidate in Nikola Jokic. You have Jamal Murray, who is a knockdown shooter when he gets his feet set and he gets into the right rhythm. Sometimes he, you know, he does take shots outside the offense, which you know, happens to a 21-year-old. I should add, like it's mm-hmm. it's not a perpetual problem. He's absolutely going to be one of the best knockdown shooters in the league in a few years' time. Uh, Malik Beasley is already one of the best knockdown long range shooters, at least 43% from the outside. Mm-hmm. So you you have this bench present of guys who can come in, in like the, the aforementioned Morris and obviously Beasley. You know, even Juan Hernan Gomez can come in and contribute offensively and on the glass. Millsap is, to me, the big key. Yeah. Can you get more offensive production from Millsap in a very positive manner? I'll take it. I mean, I, he's not a in offensive, offensive liability by any stretch, he's just kind of accepted that, okay, I'm not getting... I, I don't have the same role that a lot of the other guys do because I'm older, I'm kind of being a complementary player. And that's mm-hmm. totally fine. But in the playoffs, I, I think it could force teams to take a different look at Denver if he started establishing himself a lot more because he is certainly a better scorer than what he's showing right now. The 12 and a half points per game in 26 minutes... He can do more than that, and he can be a more versatile offensive player. He's a great passer, but the ball has just gone through Jokic so much this year. So I think Denver have, you know, a few cards up their sleeves in terms of how they can initiate the offense and throw teams off that they just haven't shown in the regular Mm -hmm. season that I think Mike Malone is just hanging on to for the playoffs.
1: Right, yeah, and, like, also not having the starting five healthy together for much of the season, we haven't seen a full-strength, Nuggets team for all that long, like as you said, Gary Harris in particular has missed a lot of time, but all of the mm. guys aside from Jokic have. I, I think the two concerns with Denver is one they just aren't playoff tested, so we don't know right. how you know how a team is going to scheme against Jokic when you can focus on him every night instead of you know fly in have a one hour scouting session and then like put in a brief game plan and go to town. Like he he is just such a rare. You don't see a. I mean, he's the. We said it earlier this season. He's the best passing, like true center big man of all time. Like you don't see that skill set in a guy his size at
2: age twenty
1: three. Right. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's true. You just don't see a guy like that being able to pass like him. So right. We haven't seen how he'll hold up in the playoffs or how these other guys, young guys, Murray, Harris, Barton, etc., how they'll hold up. I mean, Millsap is. Battle tested from his days with the Hawks. Um, and to his credit, he's actually been, since the All Star break at least, he's been picking up a little bit more of the offensive slack as well. So I, I do think that's sitting there as an X factor for them. There's also just, you know, you can never, offensively, they're going to be fine. I mean, they're the fourth best offense in the league. They're 10th on the season in terms of defense, but they've been flimsier as of late. So mm. you do have to wonder if they go up against. Houston, OKC, Portland, one of those teams in the second round in particular, how they how they'll fare. Um and then also, I mean, one of their best advantages has been their depth this season with Monte Morris, with Malik Beasley stepping up, Mason. Trey Lyles. Yeah, I mean yeah. like they, they've had a lot of guys make big impacts off the bench, but do they have the star power? You know, star power tends to be prioritized in the playoffs. Rotations shorten, et cetera, et cetera. Some teams have proved that's not always the case. You can ride a deeper bench into a lengthy playoff run, but do they have the top-end talent that they know they can count on in late-game situations? Do they have a go-to guy? We just haven't seen it. So I think they have a legit shot of making it to the Western Conference Finals, but I'm not going to pencil them in there yet just because I think – with them and with everyone not named golden state in the west it all comes down to matchups i think there are teams they Mm -hmm. would do very well against in a seven game series and i think there are teams that would pose some unique challenges for them so we'll just kind of have to see how the playoff bracket shakes out like right now they would get the spurs in the first round i would i would comfortably pick them over the spurs and then it would be the winner of houston and utah and that's that's where things get a little tricky
2: yeah uh, I, I would pick them over the Spurs too at this point. I, I the big name for me coming in is also Gary Harris. Mm-hmm. So, over the first twenty games of the season before all the injuries started, he was averaging seventeen a game. Um, wasn't entirely super efficient, but he he was okay. And you know, he, some players just take time to find their rhythms in the season. He was he was trending upwards. Is my point. Yeah. Since then, he went through a, a lot of inactivity. Came back for a few games, and then went on the shelf again, came back. Like, it was a lot of you know on and off play. And since then, he's only averaged 10.4 points in 19 games. Mm-hmm. So, And he's been struggling a lot lately. If we again apply the same filter as we did with Demarcus Cousins and Isaiah Thomas, and we just look at the remaining you know, whatever games, 18 games I think they have left, and... That's the team. That that's the time that you give Gary Harris to get back into form. Mm-hmm. I could sense that he would come into the playoffs with the mindset that we've talked about before with other players. Like some some players are capable of just shutting off the regular season and just being able to say, "Well, that was that. Now it's the playoffs. It's an entirely new season. It doesn't matter that I struggled for eighty-two games. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter that I had injuries. This is a whole new." This is a whole new thing. I'm starting at zero points a game. I'm starting at nothing, so I'm building my up op- my way up again. Mm-hmm. A healthy, motivated, and hungry Gary Harris in a playoff setting is still one of the absolute best two way players in the league. Yeah, yeah, I, that I, can swing a series.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I, like I, the the Nuggets have a lot of talent. It's just gonna be. It's really gonna be fun to see how they shape up on, you know, under the bright lights of the playoffs.
2: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, here's the thing. With the Nuggets, they're also damn entertaining, and I think we should talk more about that just generally because, you know, we we have a tendency as analysts to always look for who is the better team, you know, how how does this team succeed, how does this player succeed, whatever. Denver is just fun, man, and honestly – uh, even if they get balanced in the first round, we can at least sit back and enjoy, at a bare minimum, four entertaining games in the playoffs with them.
1: That's that's very true. There's a reason we have them so high in our league pass rankings this year.
2: Hey, first for me, yeah. first overall.
1: Me too. Me
2: too. Oh, it was Sarah who. Oh yeah, I thought it was Sarah who had them first. No, she yeah. was. She was the odd man out. She was.
1: Uh, let's wrap up with this th- this question from Dan Favele of. Uh, he writes for Bleacher Report, he's a Deputy editor at NBA Math. He co hosts the Hardwood Knox podcast.
0: Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back to school styles for kids and baby. Get flip flops for two bucks, graphic tees for four bucks, shorts for six dollars, and jeans for eight dollars. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid size prices just two, four, six, and eight dollars. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and Old Navy. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.
1: The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the
0: Progressive Box. the moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's... A burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
1: With Andy Bailey from earlier. This one like broke my brain when I really tried to start thinking about it. He asked, (laughs) which five lottery-bound teams have the brightest futures and are the Lakers even one of them?
2: Mm Mm-hmm. I Read the question and I've been thinking as well. Obviously, one of the answers is Atlanta, mm-hmm. and so right now, the Dallas's pig is going to Atlanta because it's top five protective. Mm-hmm. But if we assume that Dallas is involved in the lottery because they somehow make it into the top five, right? Yeah, they would be on the list as well. Yeah, obviously,
1: I, I think we can count. We'll, we'll include Dallas. Like, let, let's include teams that are, like, outside of the playoff picture right now. So, like, Sacramento is okay. allowed to be in there, too, even though their pick is going to Boston or Philly. It's just of the 14 teams not projected to make the playoffs currently.
2: Like this, So just a top five. I don't think I can rank them, but yeah. I, I think I have a pretty clear, you know, picture of where I'm going with this. Okay. Atlanta, Dallas, Chicago, actually. <laughs> yeah. Which I didn't think think I would say that. Um, Phoenix, honestly, simply because of the personnel. I get that they, they apparently that Robert Sarver is apparently putting goats in. Right,
1: right. I was the gonna the put jokes. Phoenix in there, but until Robert Sarver stops spearing the franchise with goat poop, unfortunately. Yeah.
2: No, I get it. No. I get it. Was that that was four, right?
1: Uh, yeah, that was four.
2: So it comes down to the Lakers and Kings to me. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Oh boy. I gotta go Kings, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, here's what the the tricky thing about this is without knowing a, how the lottery shakes out and B, how free agency shakes out. Like the Mm. Lakers future is a lot brighter if they win Zion and then get Anthony Davis. I think, but that
2: would be the store for everyone. Right. Like, even exactly. if, me, me, if, if Memphis as well, I mean, yeah. they were, I would, I would consider them just because of Jaron Jackson, but that's literally all they have at this point. <laughs> right. Which I, is,
1: I, they yeah. have you Wright, and Jonas Valanciunas? But yeah, I mean, Don Wright is 27. I know. And he's a restricted free agent. There's, there, there's not much in terms of long-term pieces in place in Memphis. So yeah, I'm with you on Atlanta for sure. Uh, Trey Young, John Collins, Kevin Erder, the, the yeah, they could have two top seven picks right now if the lottery held to form. So they're not right. going to get Zion. But that's two more very good pieces to add to their core. Or they could probably trade up. I mean, five and seven could probably get you at least up to three, if not two. So
2: mm. if, they, if they were yeah, really probably. in love with,
1: like, R.J. Barrett or something.
2: Yeah, probably. I mean, t- yeah, this is a year where if you want to tr- you want to get second, mm-hmm. you can yeah. It's just the number one is just, unless it's LeBron. Right. Which really, as I alluded to before, if it's Scion, then yeah, move it.
1: Yeah. And and like, I want to include New Orleans here, but it's hard to just without knowing what they get for Anthony Davis.
2: like Right. And if they can hang on to Julius Randle. Right. Which yeah. they probably can't. Yeah. So...
1: Yeah, so that that makes it tricky. So I'm with you on Atlanta. I'm with you on Chicago, just because they urinated all over the Sixers like a dog marking its territory. That's West not night. just
2: why, though. Um, <laughs> I mean, I gotta give them credit. The Bulls have played well lately. Yeah, I since mean, they got Otto. Since they got Otto, well, actually a little bit before that, because Markinen and you know oh, right. became. Yeah, he just apparently it helps having your old Finnish coach come over and tell <laughs> and tell you, <laughs> hey, ignore what your coach is saying. <laughs> Take the ball off the backboard and just do it your damn self. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's
1: that's always a good sign. Yeah. The the ball is the only hesitation thing. for me is one Gar packs, and two right. the lack of a, a point guard. With all due respect to Chris Dunn, but he. And oh no, no, no respect there. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. But like, yes, Zach Levine, Wendell Carter Jr., Laurie Marketing is a hell of a young big three, and then Otto Porter, Porter I know is not yeah. technically. Like super young anymore, but he's still only twenty five. I mean, twenty five. Huh? Yeah, they they've got a really nice. They they got something going there in Chicago. So I'm with you there. Dallas and
2: and one guy we shouldn't forget when we're talking about the Bulls. He's been injured as of late, and mm-hmm. his numbers they do not look encouraging. But Chandler Hutchison is he's okay. He he can become something. Okay,
1: well, I'll I'll take your word for it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, right now they are in line for at least a top, worst-case scenario, top eight pick. Right. So that, that's going to yep. give them another chance to add to that young core, which would be good. Um, Dallas, I'm with you. Luka and Porzingis, they they literally don't have anything else of real import. That
2: like, I want them to get Zion so bad. They have a 6.8% chance.
1: I know. Yeah, I think my favorite Zion locations are atlanta memphis and dallas Yep. maybe new Somewhere orleans around. just because they deserve good karma and drew and zion would be fun
2: yeah no I, i'm with dallas just i i want the dauntage zion porzingis experience yeah i oh. want that for the next 10 years oh my god
1: it'd be so fun yeah i mean yeah luca alone would probably clinch them at the top five but luca and porzingis assuming he yeah. comes back and it looks like the player he was before his injury I'm all with you there. Uh, oh, Fe- I can't get aboard Phoenix. I know. They should, like, it just, we talked about it recently. They, the fact they have this much young talent, they're only 15-51. It, I don't know. They've won three games. I get it. I so, get it,
2: but we're looking at the youth, right? Yeah. And they have a high pick coming as well. Yep. They could actually be with Zion.
1: Yeah. I just have no faith in their Anything <laughs> that, that Kevin Arvid's story—if you all haven't read it—that Kevin yeah. its released this like absurdly detailed takedown of why the Suns have been such a dysfunctional mess, and that—that that is the goat, <laughs> the goat <laughs> reference that we made earlier uh comes from that story. I just—and
2: yeah, this was an actual goat. The, the goat right. debate is something Correct. entirely it's, different. It's a, yes,
1: a four-legged furry animal that. Yeah. Took a dump in Ryan McDonough's office. <laughs> Which is amazing. Yeah, I Rob Starver immediately disqualifies the Suns from this for me. So I'm with you on it. the Kings. That's fair. I, I definitely like the Kings, they looks like they're gonna miss the playoffs, unfortunately, but they had they're having a hell of a season. A lot to build on moving forward. So yeah, it comes down to I guess like well the Lakers, Orlando, Minnesota. Because at least Carl Eppity Towns is showing out as of late. Oh, my God.
2: Yeah. I'll go with I the Lakers.
1: Know. I mean, the Lakers are the, the four seed in the West as of Christmas Day. I, I just think they had some really crappy injury luck this year. Um, that We know they're going to, like, Lakers exceptionalism is going to win out. They still do have, Ingram has looked better of late. Kuzma is, you know, I don't think he's, like, a multi-time all-star, but he is at least a legit rotation player. Alonzo's been out for, like, more than a month now, but he showed some flashes this year. Yeah, uh, I'll say, I can't, I can't a good conscience pick a Lake, pick a, a Minnesota team with one star on Carl Anthony Towns at Overpaid Albatross and Andrew Wiggins, and not much else, and then... Yeah, I can't take that over LeBron James and a strong young core. And, like, (laughs) Orlando is good, but...
2: I didn't have Orlando in there at all. I I I, mean... They're better, but... And they, you know, they are figuring things out. Right. To some extent, but I need to see a lot more.
1: Yeah, and, like, the Vooch contract scares me if he ends up staying there, which I do think he probably will, but Mm. I, I think it could cost them quite a penny and kind of lock them into this like 500 ceiling where they're yeah. I, like i don't think there's a 50 win team on the horizon in orlando whereas i could talk myself into the lakers rising to that level pretty quickly regardless of what happens on the trade market and free agency this summer but it's it's kind of damning that we don't immediately like the lakers are not a sure thing in that top five is it not
2: I mean, look. Again, we've talked about this ad nauseum regarding like uh, the 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 Anthony Davis uh, trade saga. Yeah, you need to have you know a young prospect who at least projects as something special. Mm-hmm. Ingram, like I, I think we've been. I think I always think we've been fair to Ingram. Like we have said that there's a a fair chance at him becoming like. You know, an all star, mm-hmm. an all star for at least a couple of years. Yeah. I I don't think that is is unfair, and I don't think that is you know crapping on his potential. Being an all star is not easy, and I think he can reach that. And and you know maybe I, I've brought up Luol Dang in the past, like have a, a Luol Dang type of career where he's you know he has a couple all star games and that's basically it, but he's a full time starter. Mm-hmm. That's not bad, but it's not. Hey, I can lead a team to the. Uh, you know, conference finals all by my damn self kind of player.
1: Right, right, right. And ironically, we left off New York, even though they're going to get Kevin Durant this summer.
2: I, yeah, look, I, I still, I have little faith about New York. I get the whole, you know, KD to New York thing. And it seems like the media has just accepted full on. That's where he's going. Yeah. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet.
1: I just think this is, it's so similar to the LeBron to LA rumors that I think at a certain point, we just have to accept it. Like, you know how like Windhorst said he had an inkling all year that LeBron was going to go to LA, but he couldn't like Mm. report it a hundred percent. I think Chris Haynes is sitting on that right now. And Ethan Sherwood Strauss is sitting on that right now. Like I'm sure someone in his orbit has said, look, this is KD's last season at Golden State. It doesn't make any logical sense. You no, know, it doesn't. Wh- why would you leave a team that's going to win three straight rings, probably, to go to And New why New would York? you leave a
2: team that just has your fir- full bird rights for right. the first time?
1: Right. Why would you leave that to go to a 13-win New York team? I don't know. But it didn't make sense for LeBron to go to the Lakers either. Sometimes, like, I, I think it's probably like LeBron. I think there are some off-court interests that are perhaps forcing his hand here. So, I... I don't know. But, yeah, right now, until we see what happens with the Knicks, we, I don't think mm. we can put them in the top five. But it is definitely worth noting. It'd be fun to revisit this in, like, August. Right. Once we see how the draft shakes out, see how free agency shakes out. Because a lot of these teams really could get competitive quickly. Like, Cleveland is stuck in purgatory for a while. Washington's probably stuck in purgatory for a while. Charlotte is permanently stuck in purgatory.
2: But... Rest I want two... them to get Nikola Vucevic so bad, but they just don't have the cap space and they can't swing a deal. Right, who? Charlotte? Oh, yeah, sure. I yeah. yeah, that's because I'm looking at at Kemba and Vucevic both being free agents, mm-hmm. and it just dawned on me those two would be just perfect for each other.
1: Yeah, yeah, would like. I would that. have loved that.
2: Yeah. I would have loved that. Yeah.
1: Beg all of their mediocre players not to pick up their <laughs> player <laughs> options, and it's a possibility. <laughs>
2: Not happening. And, no. I mean, I guess you could offer Orlando some bad deal, but, I mean, if it's a 50-50 odds. Right. It's Isn't Orlando sign after Sign trades
1: just aren't a thing anymore.
2: No, they're not. That's unfortunate, by the way.
1: Yeah. I love
2: that. Yeah, that, I did that was too. Good. That was a good way of upgrading a roster. By the way, I just had a thought. If if KD goes to the Knicks, right, it actually will be somewhat positive because he won't have the LeBron in L.A. experience where he's compared to, like, a former legend. You won't hear True. like the Knicks crowd going,
0: Bernard King was better, man. <laughs> right. Like, right. Yeah. I think
2: so. So maybe just having, maybe that's the thing that attracts Katie to the Knicks. It's basically a clean slate organization.
1: Right. Well, yeah. There's like you cannot get lower than what the Knicks are right now. So. Right. He like he's
2: getting overshadowed by Steph and the love for Steph for the homegrown fans in mm-hmm. Golden State. Yeah. But like who the hell is there in New York to shine, you know, to outshine him?
1: Right. Well, yeah, it, it, you're not going to get Carmelo better.
2: <laughs> oh god. <laughs> yeah. If so if if if, uh, if I see Knicks fans on Twitter go that route, <laughs> we're over. Like yeah. I I'm, I'm divorcing Twitter. That's
1: right. done. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. So, thank you to everyone who submitted questions. If you have questions for us, we keep sending them in. We'll we'll do another one of these mailbags when there isn't much uh, juicy news to talk about. In the meantime, please follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian topork and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort.
2: You too, Brian. Uh, I can highly recommend Captain Marvel. Yes. Uh, absolutely fantastic. I I am not sure why the critics are giving it giving it lukewarm reviews. That's dumb. It's it's a hell of a time. I loved it.
1: That's that's wonderful to hear. It's because critics are cranky all the time and don't know what joy is look look at fast eight reviews that's all all (laughs) i need to say about that
0: have a good one man you too